Welcome to the Proud to be Profane podcast, your initiation into the ways of the square to resurrect the wretch and pee on the all-seeing pyramid of Illuminati enlightenment. And now, here's your host, Mr. Michael Joseph. Welcome to the Proud to be Profane podcast. Welcome to episode number 30. I know it's been a little while since our last episode, but wasn't really expecting race apocalypse to happen, especially after dealing with COVID-1984, which is obviously still a thing, but for some reason that got completely set aside for one guy's death in Minneapolis. But we operate according to reason, of course. That's our nation. It's built upon that. It's built upon science and reason and freedom. And those are all right-thinking things. But they're not exactly defined very well. And that's the problem. The ambiguity leads to certain people who are in power who have a different definition of how the people receive it, thus reflecting the Masonic society of rules for the not for me, the esoteric and the exoteric. This is in opposition to the old world model where the highest person up, the Pope himself or the Holy Roman Emperor himself was expected to follow the same rules and regulations and morality as the people. Now sometimes they didn't do that, but sometimes the people didn't do that. However, they still engage in the same exact methods of restitution and sacraments attached to it. So, with that being said, it's a strange time, and I was avoiding talking about this for a while because I'm the kind of guy who likes to just observe and not really a current events person. I leave that for others who are better suited for that, but things are a bit different this time. And this is for the people who still have some reason left in their brain, some common sense, some understanding of decency, or virtue, or right and wrong, despite all of the crazies using those words a lot, but they define them in ways that are constantly changing, hypocritical, and destructive. And we're reaching a time where more and more people are going to have to make a choice. One left, one taken and with neutrality slowly disappearing. The wheat and the tares that grow together, but are eventually separated out, and I suppose we will all find out which one we are in due time. Welcome to episode number 30. I suppose today's episode was inevitable, I've been sort of avoiding talking in a more direct way on all of the crazy going-ons happening in the world, ranging from the COVID-1984 lockdown all the way to the pawns on the global elite checkerboard. And we're not going to say chessboard because that is way too sophisticated, specifically in regards to the racial aspect for everything going on right now, because the stupidity involved is just so very simple. It's really not complicated. We can reduce it down to just a few core concepts, and that will permeate everything that we will talk about in this entire video 
and any complexities attached to it, it reduces to these very basic things. So number one, and we will go straight to Jesus Christ for this one. Matthew chapter 7 verse 2, quote, For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. End quote. That's basically the standard definition of equality. It's not rules for thee, not for me, or vice versa. And it's not the standards I apply only apply in some instances, especially when it's convenient for me to get what I want. And when it's inconvenient, you don't just get to ignore it, despite claiming everybody who disagrees with you is ignorant or insert any propaganda buzz term here that is polemical, racist, fascist, bigot, sexist, anti-Semite. But that's the classic self-projecting what you are doing onto others. So that's the foundation point number one. Number two, we're actually going to go straight to a black man because that's what everybody wants. We want black voices to be heard but only certain ones they want to be heard. Well, if they get to pick and choose, I'm going to pick and choose here. And we're going to go straight to Mr. Malcolm X, a man I greatly respect, despite any flaws, and have talked extensively on him in some former podcasts with Mr. Mark Devlin. And Mr. Malcolm X said, quote, If you're not careful, the newspapers will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing, end quote. Malcolm X was also involved in exposing a sex scandal within the Nation of Islam, and not too long after, he was shot dead. And even Muhammad Ali said, in an autobiography, Turning my back on Malcolm was one of the biggest mistakes that I regret most in my life. Now let's put him in comparison to Mr. Martin Luther King, of whom almost everybody always refers to when dealing with these racy issues. It's a little double entendre there, and we'll explain why. Well, there's some new revelations as to the person of Martin Luther King and how he lived his life. Now, we're not here to judge, at least not in some all-encompassing sense, but we're not going to act like these things don't matter. And despite Mr. Malcolm X having some troubles in his past, he seemed to rectify them and he seemed to be a lot more faithful to his wife than Mr. Martin Luther King was. And there's also some other very questionable things going on in this newfound legacy of Martin Luther King. Now, the information we will summarize here on King was discovered and revealed by a democratic socialist. So you cannot accuse him of being biased and some alt-right nut who just hates black people. And I've read a few articles defending King here, but they all seem to concede that the evidence is real, but they don't want it to take away from his legacy. Now, do you remember that little thing we mentioned about setting the same standards of judgment for yourself or your favorite figure, as you do for everybody else or people in comparison? Well, why can't we make that excuse for anybody in history? Why can't we take any of their achievements that on paper, if you took away any of the bad stuff, people would probably be clapping for, 
But why can't we say that for everybody else and be like, well, they weren't a perfect person and they did these good things, but let's not taint that legacy of those good things. That certainly does not apply for so many of the people that the ones who are out there crying racism and Black Lives Matter are polemicizing. So real quick, we have these newly released documents that reveal the full extent of the FBI's surveillance of the civil rights leader, Dr. Martin Luther King, in the mid-1960s. They expose in graphic detail the FBI's intense focus on King's extensive extramarital sexual relationships with dozens of women, and also his presence in a Washington hotel room when a friend, a Baptist minister, allegedly raped one of his parishioners, while King looked on, laughed, and offered advice. The FBI's tape recording of that criminal assault still exists today, resting under court seal in the National Archives vault. And we are reading directly from Mr. Garrow's article. I will put all of the links, and there will be so many of them for this video, in a resources file that you can click on the link in the description and go right to it, and you can have them all available at the click of a mouse for you to investigate yourself. And you can take those links and share them with people with whatever bits of information you think might be useful to point out any of the hypocrisies that we are going to go over in this podcast. And there will be so many that you could probably put into a little book. And the last thing we'll read from this article is why the FBI was tapping Mr. Martin Luther King's phone, and it will be very relevant to the themes of Libido Dominandi by E. Michael Jones. And it says, quote, Unbeknownst to Kennedy, part of the FBI's motivation in seeking to tap King stemmed from something it had learned just prior to the August 28th March on Washington when King had stayed at Jones's wiretapped Bronx home to work on his soon-to-be-famous I Have a Dream speech. As one internal FBI memo reported, quote, King, who is married, maintains intimate relationships with at least three women, one in Atlanta, one in Mount Vernon, New York, and one in Washington, D.C. King's extramarital affairs, while posing as a minister of the gospel, leave him highly susceptible to coercion and possible blackmail, and presumably by knowledgeable communists. And why that is important is because King's closest and most influential advisor, New York attorney Stanley D. Levison, was a secret member of the Communist Party in USA, and Kennedy's aides, this is Robert, and finally, his brother, JFK, the President of the United States, warned King to cease contact with Levison, but King's promised compliance was dissembling. He and Levison communicated indirectly through another attorney, Clarence Jones, who, like Levison, was himself already being wiretapped by the FBI. Presented with evidence of King's duplicity, plus FBI claims that King had told Levison that he was a Marxist, a reluctant attorney general approved the FBI's request to place King under direct surveillance too, and that is why he was wiretapped, and that is why we have all of these recordings coming to the surface. And the last thing we'll say is, quote, The complete transcripts and surviving recordings are not due to be released until 2027, but when they are made fully available, a painful historical reckoning concerning King's personal conduct seems inevitable. 
So as we said, we had Mr. Malcolm X exposing a sex scandal, which likely got him killed. And we have Mr. Martin Luther King caught up in several himself, including perhaps laughing at the rape victim of one of his Protestant Baptist pastor buddies. So again, compare that with people like Malcolm X and some of his associates. Now, there is the slight issue where some of these figures think that the white man is the devil, which means that I would be the devil. And you know what? I'm actually okay with that. Not because of white guilt. Not because I agree with it. And as long as you're not trying to kill me or do some overt harm to me or my family, well, you can believe what you'd like. And, you know, if we can play some ball together, have some fun, and you go back to your crew and you talk about how the white man's a devil, if you do that in your own circles, whatever, I really don't care. As long as you can admit that that white boy had a pretty good crossover and he blew by you a couple times, that's all I'm asking. Now, joking aside, my question is, why isn't that version of polemics against white people the one that's promoted and accepted? And oddly enough, a lot of those ones are tied to writing books on the Jewish slave owners. But for some reason, those are the guys that are silenced when they're going to talk about white guilt, white privilege, and how the white man's the devil. How come they're never promoted equally with all of these other folks that are a bit more in the Martin Luther tradition? King, that is. Funny how he's named that. And they're all about these protests that somehow are just totally benign and then turn into these gigantic looting riots. You know, come to think of it, I think they might actually have more in common with white people, especially the German Aryan white people, because the original Martin Luther had this protest against the tyranny of the system and that it was basically the beast of Revelation and the Antichrist. And that his Kranich cartoons, which are pretty grotesque, were completely justified because he was fighting the fascism of the Catholic Church and exposing it for what it was as the despotic adversary of mankind, very much like Trump is portrayed. And similarly, like the Protestants said, if we just got rid of the hegemony of the Catholic Church, everything would be real Christianity, but of course, as defined by the usurpers. And now we have this idea that if we just get rid of Trump, everything will just be great. We can progress to what we really want to be. And the OG Martin Luther, oddly enough, he had some backers who looted the property of the church and they had their own version of iconoclasm and getting rid of monuments and icons and images that represented the old regime. And this was their justification for taking it. Fascism and inequality and the tyrannical church not being tolerant of these Protestants and their new way of redefining reality and what words mean, what the Bible meant, etc. Very similar to the French and American revolutions. And just like today, where they want to redefine a bunch of words and things like gender and even white, which seems to be anything black people don't like is white. Is that kind of like anything Jews don't like is anti-Semitism? 
Now, the difference between the looting is that these were rich white guys, or they became rich white guys with people like the Landgrave Philip of Hesse. And if anybody's gone through the member section content, you'll know that the Landgraves of Hesse have been quite problematic since the Reformation in loosing New World Order regimes into Christendom. Now, we won't go into a tangent on that, but he's just one of the many who were looting and protesting and promoting all kinds of propaganda, as we mentioned. Things like the Lucas Cranich cartoons. We discussed this in the Pike Templar series in the member section. So this was all spearheaded by Mr. Luther with the rest of this Schmalkaldic League. But revolution begets revolution, and then there was the Munzer Revolt, which is sort of a quasi-socialist revolt because these new people were gaining all of this power and prominence, and a reaction happens to them, and they're the ones suppressing people by power and force, even though they were complaining about the previous regime doing the same thing to them. And then there was dissenters, and then they became Freemasons, and then it became America, and then it became everything it is today. And what's odd to me is that when I take race out of the equation, just like everybody tells us we must always do, despite them not being able to do that themselves and focusing on race constantly, but setting that aside, that not measuring the same standard of judgment, we'll let that one slide for now. I don't see a whole lot of difference between these Aryan Lutheran Protestants and all the people doing what they're doing today. And ironically, there's still a Bible battle going on with it, despite the hordes of probably SJW atheists who are science bros. But the people who are supporting them, like Nancy Pelosi, will hold up her Bible. But when Trump goes and uses his Bible, well, he's just using it in the wrong way. And he's a hypocrite using it for political purposes, despite trying to stop abortion. But not Mrs. Pelosi. No, 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 no. She, with her abortions on demand, she's the real Christian. So that seems odd to me that that stuff is still at play. The only difference here is that she's supposed to be a Catholic, but acts more like a Freemason. And then we have Trump, a Protestant, but then he has a wife that is Catholic. I don't see that Catholic unity with Mrs. Trump and Mrs. Pelosi. So it seems to me, if you strip out the labels and go down to the ideology, it seems like it's more of a Masonic Protestant battle going on here with some weird sort of Catholicism lingering in the middle somewhere, especially with Trump promoting Archbishop Vigano's letter that was written to him, who is much more aligned to the traditional Catholicism versus the actual Pope, who is much more on the leftist side. So a lot of strange battles, and that's kind of what America really is in a nutshell. But I guess I'm just ignorant because... I don't see the racial problem here. I don't see all of the race involved because I guess I'm just ignorant. I mean, I'm viewing the whitest Aryan Germans in the Lutheran rebellion pretty much in the same light as I'm viewing all of these angry looters and protesters, even though we're supposed to separate that. And we'll discuss that later. But setting that aside, I guess this colorblindness that I think I have here is just my white privilege. I think that's how they would explain that, which doesn't make sense to me, but I think that's the explanation. I mean, it's hard being a leftist, Daddy. Nothing makes sense. They keep switching their criteria. I just can't keep up. 
I mean, it's harder than being president being a leftist daddy. I mean, it was easier lying to the American public about 9-11 than being a leftist. Hard work, daddy. <laughs> Despite the seriousness of the subject, sometimes you have to joke around a little bit. And that's what George Bush imitations are for, even if they're not that good. So let's transition into the next phase of the podcast here and start going through all of the crazy hypocrisies that are involved in COVID-1984. Now, one caveat. Most of these criticisms are going to be of the left. I am not negating the issues with the conservative side or the neocon aspect of things tied to Trump and the influences around him. But setting that aside, I got to say, I admire him being able to deal with all of the freaking crazy hate coming from the left side on these issues, despite any of the other ties that people might be suspect of. Give credit where credit is due. And since I think everything going on is far beyond the machinations of men, I know it's machinations in American, but I like the British way. I can be multicultural sometimes. In fact, I probably don't have a problem with multiculturalism if you define it in a particular way. But the problem is 99.9% .9 of people define it in a way I think is very destructive. But setting that aside, let's begin talking about some of these hypocrisies. And we're going to begin with the most fundamental ones that are the most relevant to now which is ultimately tied to the Orwellian doublespeak or newspeak of quote-unquote Black Lives Matter with the nice Masonic checkerboard colors attached to their logo. Now, having black and white juxtaposed doesn't necessarily mean it has something to do with Masonic liberalism, but in this case, it pretty much embodies it. Split the proxy warriors into dialectics, let them bash each other, and then you swoop in and coagulate that into whatever form you, the magician, deem fit. Rinse and repeat throughout history, very simple, yet it manifests in vastly complex ways. But in order to not lose sight of that and get led into a dialectic ourselves, we can always refer back to the two basic principles we outlined at the very beginning of the talk. Measuring the same standards of judgment and warning about the media making you loving the oppressors and hating the oppressed. So once again, Black Lives Matter. You know what? I can agree with that if you want to flesh out the right distinctions. But as we mentioned, probably 99.9% .9 of people are fleshing out in a way that is completely hypocritical and actually against black lives and hurting them in far worse ways than one single police brutality event or even 50 could ever do. And so the first thing we will go into is the hypocrisy surrounding the nation of Libya and what it meant to the entire African continent, the primitive source of all black people. Now going through this is not to virtue signal, but to fight virtue signaling, where we're all guilty of a lot of things and crimes against all of humanity, but if you want to slice it into different ethnicities and put the microscope on different groups at different times, fine, let's do that. But let's not lack the continuity of doing it with all the others equally. And so thus, you've set a standard, and we're going to adhere to it, damn it. 
even if the virtue-signaling, goalpost-shifting babies don't like it. So what we're going to do is read from an article that I thought summarized the Libya debacle quite well. Now, in the resources file, there are almost 30 different links that you can use to go and investigate all of these issues for yourself, using plenty of mainstream sources and then more alternative ones to show there is a coherent viewpoint on Libya and this whole affair that people just miraculously seem to have forgotten about. And that is very convenient for probably most of the Black Lives Matter folks, whether they are black or white, or whatever you want to throw in there in between. I don't really give a shit. It applies to everybody who is or has been supporting Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and any of their successors or pals who are still relevant, such as Joe Biden. So that encompasses a wide variety of people who all unify on those things. And I'm willing to bet that most of the people who are waving the Black Lives Matter flag are supporters of either all or a few of them. So we'll slice out any outliers that might be exempt from this very large group that would be relevant to the aforementioned figures. So. Reading from this site, which is a pan-African site dedicated to African culture and empowering black people. Black Lives Matter. Well, we are going to unify with what they are saying here. And this is from Pambazuka News, Voices for Freedom and Justice. And I don't know about all of their viewpoints. I can't say whether I would align with them or not. We're just going to worry about what's in this article. Which is entitled... Let's Never Forget Why Muammar Gaddafi Was Killed by Peter Koenig, an economist and geopolitical analyst and a former World Bank staff member of 30 years of experience working at the World Bank around the entire globe. So this dude is no small potato. He worked for the World Bank for many years. He's an insider. So let's let him summarize the Gaddafi affair. What were the reasons Mr. Gaddafi was killed and NATO invaded Libya? His answer, quote, Mr. Muammar Gaddafi was certainly not killed for humanitarian reasons. Mr. Gaddafi wanted to empower Africa, the primitive source of all black lives, in other words, black empowerment. You hear that, all you Black Lives Matter folks? This is the source of everything you should be for. Continuing, he had a plan to create a new African Union based on a new African economic system, which included a plan to introduce the gold dinar as backing for African currencies so they could become free from the dollar-dominated Western monetary system run by rich white guys, if you want to put it in that context. We're just using their own criteria of measurement for judgment. So this is to become free from that regime that kept and keeps usurping Africa. Africa's vast natural resources, especially oil and minerals. And we'll get to the minerals later and how that relates to all of the technology you use via African slave labor. All the people crying about freedom on their cell phones, filming riots with their cell phones, filming injustices with their cell phones, all charged by slave labor from Africa. But we don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. We'll just throw that out there. 
But regardless, Mr. Gaddafi wanted to keep those minerals for the African people and a pan-African movement. And as a first step, he offered this lucrative and very beneficial alternative to other Muslim African states, but leaving it open for any African countries to join. So all black people in Africa could equally have a share in this new lucrative empowering of their own resources away from that evil, rich, white guy, petrodollar that was just being forced on all of these people of color, so-called. At the time of Gaddafi's atrocious murdering by Hillary Clinton, then Obama's Secretary of State, let's repeat those two names, Hillary Clinton and Obama murdering this guy who wanted to unite all of Africa on its own resources. I thought those were the champions of liberty and progress. We have the first black president, and then we have the potential first woman president, but then the evil male phallic oppressor Donald Trump seized the White House because of Russian bots, right? No tinfoil hat conspiracy there. That's completely irrational and absurd. They project that onto everything else. But setting aside that hypocrisy, this regime of the first black president, the first potential female president, and Mr. Joe Biden, who's trying to run counter to Trump now, being the vice president at the time, well, these are all the ones who completely screwed over all of the black people in all of Africa. But apparently those lives don't matter nearly as much as somebody like George Floyd, who at one point was arrested for pointing a gun at a pregnant woman's womb in order to get drug money. Now people can change, people can repent, people can clean up their act. We're not going to deny that. Setting aside that he was probably on drugs when he was arrested. But there's something larger here that is more symbolic about pointing a gun at the womb of a pregnant woman who I'm assuming was black. Now, if that's true, that will be very symbolic of all the things we're going to talk about, with the trigger being pulled here on Mother Africa's womb, with Gaddafi being taken out, and this will relate to the abortion aspect that we will talk about later. Now, thank you, Classic Hip Hop Magazine, for providing the report. We will put it in the links. I've read articles that say him pointing the gun at the pregnant woman's abdomen is speculation, but it says it right here in the report. And this is the court document from 2007 dealing with George Floyd's involvement in aggravated robbery. Now, I shouldn't have to say this because it's just implied, it's just common sense, but obviously... This in no way is trying to say that him being killed by a police officer in an unjust way justifies what happened. This is what all the stupid morons will try to always use as a straw man. The point is, he's not the saint that everybody is trying to prop him up as, perhaps very similar to Martin Luther. King, that is. Pause intended. And we recognize that people aren't saints. But why is it a problem when people pry into Donald Trump's past or Brett Kavanaugh's and all of a sudden it's a huge deal, everything that they may have done or they need people to lie about having done and then they admit that they were lying. 
Why is it all of a sudden the standard of measurement completely changes? And all of a sudden, you can't overlook that like you're telling us to overlook all of the faults of these other people. So thank you, Classic Hip Hop Magazine, for having the balls to post that. We salute you. And will cause us to overlook, perhaps, some of the more not-so-holy aspects of hip-hop culture that they promote on their site. I think they've earned it. But that's just me and my own scales of judgment. We'll let you decide for yourself. Back to the story at hand. So, Hillary Clinton, Obama's Secretary of State, and the French President, Mr. Nicolas Sarkozy. You can look into his background on your own if you'd like, but it's quite interesting. Think Alta Vendita. So, anyways, this president, along with those U.S. figures, were driven by NATO forces, and on October 20th, 2011, Libya's gold reserves were estimated at close to 150 tons, and about the same amount of silver, and the estimated value at the time was $7 billion. So I repeat, this was $7 billion of African black lives, gold and silver, that mysteriously disappeared. And the author says, quote, It's your guess who may have stolen this enormous treasure from the people of Libya. As of this date, it is nowhere to be found. So, let's put our thinking caps on and also bring out that standards of measurement box that we can refer back to. We know that the left doesn't have a problem promoting conspiracy theories per se, it's just which ones they like. So if you're going to allow the idea that conspiracies exist, even if you want to peg it to Russian bots electing Trump, let's take that criteria and then think about the black community that tends to think there's a conspiracy against them by white people. And then you always need a Judas, right? And so think about Obama, the black guy in the office with Miss Clinton and Mr. Sarkozy, and NATO and the entire Western liberal warhammer comes down on poor Mother Africa and all of her gold and silver and perhaps loots it to protect the petrodollar, which we all archetypally tie to rich white people. And at the same time, we have all of these people crying Occupy Wall Street to fight those very same people they claim they're against promoting the petrodollar, capitalism, and all of this exploitation, which is often conflated with blaxploitation. But the real black people, the real black lives from the mother continent are the ones that don't seem to matter here. Even though, most likely, the vast majority of people protesting or looting or rioting, whichever it is, you can make your distinctions, and you can be black, white, whatever color, how many of them supported this very same regime that screwed over all of the black people on the continent of Africa. But wait, there's more. Let's continue as horrifying as it might be. Gaddafi also wanted to detach his oil sales from the dollar, the evil white petrodollar. In other words, no longer trading hydrocarbons in U.S. dollars as was the U.S. OPEC-imposed rule since the early 1970s. Other African and Middle Eastern oil and gas producers would have followed. In fact, Iran had already in 2007 a plan to introduce the Tehran oil bourse where anyone could trade hydrocarbons in currencies other than the U.S. dollar. That idea came to a sudden halt when George W. Bush, that's me, daddy, 
He started accusing Iran of planning to build a nuclear bomb, which was, of course, a fabricated lie, confirmed by the 16 most prominent U.S. security agencies, and later also by the U.N. body for nuclear safety. The U.N. is involved, of course. The International Atomic Energy Agency in Vienna was also involved, and Washington needed a pretext to stop the Tehran oil bourse, which would have decimated the need for dollars, and thereby most probably would have meant the end of the dollar hegemony. Continuing, Saddam Hussein had the same idea. He promised as soon as the murderous and criminal embargo imposed by the UN, of course dictated by Washington, would end in 2000, and he would sell his petro in euros, and he was killed and we know what happened with the whole... 2.0 version of Desert Storm under Bush Jr., or W. Continuing, Gaddafi's new plan for Africa would have meant an entirely new banking system for Africa, away from the now Western, mainly France and UK, central banks dominated African currencies. It would have meant the collapse of the US dollar, or at least enormous blow to this fake dollar-based Western monetary system. So, the gold dinar was not to happen... Anybody to this day who threatens the dollar hegemony will have to die. That means anybody other than Russia and China, because they have already a few years ago largely detached their economy from the dollar by implementing hydrocarbons as well as other international contracts in gold or the respective local currencies. That alone has already helped reducing dollar holdings in international reserve coffers almost 90% some 20 years ago, to a rate fluctuating between 50 and 60% today. That's economic speak I don't understand, but that doesn't take away from our fundamental point of the incredible hypocrisy of the vast majority of people in the United States today crying Black Lives Matter. Also, the Washington CIA-induced Arab Spring was to turn the entire Middle East into one huge chaos zone, which of course led to all of the mass immigration into Europe, and there were no plans to secure it and return it to normalcy or to what was before. To the contrary, chaos allows to divide and conquer, to balkanize, as is the plan for Syria and Iraq. One of the Washington-led Western goals of this chaos, out of constant conflict, sounds very Kabbalistic and Masonic, is to eventually install a system of private central banks in the Middle Eastern North African countries controlled by Washington, privately owned central banks a la the Federal Reserve, where the neocons, the Rothschild, and Freemasonry would call the shots. That is expected to help stabilize the U.S. dollar hegemony as the hydrocarbons produced in this region generate trillions of dollars in trading per year. Now, if you want to slice out all that conspiracy theory stuff, all the other links that I have on this whole debacle, I'd say 95% of them come from the mainstream sources that basically confirm the same broad statements and facts. They just don't give you quite the in-depth analysis as this guy is giving us. We'll read a couple more paragraphs and finish up. Gaddafi also wanted to introduce, or had already started introducing into Africa, a wireless telephone system that would do away with the U.S.-European monopolies. So in other words, the big tech companies would GTFO, like the AT&Ts and the Alcatels of this world, as he says, which dominate and usurp the African market without scruples. 
That will get into all of the tech mining that we'll talk about later. Gaddafi was not only the leader of Libya, he had ambitions to free Africa from the nefarious fangs of the West, that evil, rich, white guy-dominated West that everyone claims suppresses black people and women and children, yet it was the black president, the woman who should have been president but wasn't, and also fabricating a story that the UN was part of to say that Gaddafi was giving his troops Viagra to go rape women and children. Yet we will find women being abused and raped and children being exploited by tech companies in Africa to make all of the technology that all of the people who cry Black Lives Matter have and also the iPhones and Apple products that they all went in to loot crying Black Lives Matter that came from slave labor in Africa, the original source of all black lives. But again, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Wrapping up and reconfirming here from Mr. Koenig, despite being called a dictator and despot by the West, they do that to anyone who doesn't submit to Washington's rules, and he was very much liked by the Libyans by his people. He had more than 80% approval rate by the Libyan people. I'd say that is the democratic majority, which we say we're all about. And once people democratically vote, which is what we all fought so hard to gain, apparently, well, shouldn't we have just let them alone? Their country, their choice. Their continent, their choice. And this is all the black lives on Africa. That's their choice, but... The black president, along with the woman who's supposed to always have her choice, didn't give any of them a choice when they went in and dismantled everything that he was trying to accomplish and did not allow for this 80% quote-unquote democratic consensus to exist. And Libya's oil fortune had allowed Gaddafi to create a social system in his country where everybody would benefit from their land's riches Free healthcare, free education, including scholarships abroad, modern infrastructure, top-notch technology and medicine, and much more. And lastly, for all those crying against colonization, and that's the most evil, oppressive thing that could have ever have happened to any of these non-white countries or continents, well, the author describes this as Europe, i.e. white people, and their control over the African economy which is nothing less than the neo-colonization of Africa, in many ways worse than what happened four to 800 years past of murderous military colonization and oppression, which is, by the way, still ongoing just more discreetly. So all of the people crying, we're against colonization, we're for black lives, for black empowerment, they all help contribute to the ultimate version of colonizing Africa and screwing over all of the black people on the entire continent which has 1.2 billion people on it. I'm sure most of them are black, so let's just reduce it down to a billion black people on the continent of Africa, the motherland, and everyone's freaking out about one injustice to one black guy in America, while all of that had happened 10 years later under the first black president of America. Maybe we can add another Christ quote or warning. Take the log out of your own eye before you attack the speck in someone else's. And there's a pretty damn big log the size of Africa and all of these SJWs crying Black Lives Matter 
who have been in any way, shape, or form supportive of any of these figures on the Democratic left that were tied to this whole debacle. There's much more in the article. I suggest you read it if you have the time. So now that we've identified one giant elephant in the room, let's look to its spouse sitting just across from it, and then we'll get into all the baby elephants after that and move on into the second hour. And I suppose before we do this, we'd give one more caveat or reminder. I'm not exactly sure of the kind of man Gaddafi was. I didn't know him. I'm sure he did some things that were probably not the most scrupulous. I'm not going to judge. However, if we're going to say we can ignore the potential enabling of rape or laughing at rape of Martin Luther King Jr. and all of his extramarital affairs or the Michael Browns who are pushing around a small Asian shop owner while shoplifting, or people who were criminals who broke into a pregnant lady's house and were threatening her baby in order to steal a bunch of crap, or all of these very horrible things attached to the Obama administration and Miss Hillary Clinton and their whole clique, I'm sure we can make a little bit of a pass here for Mr. Gaddafi of any of his flaws, which probably pale in comparison in many of those instances. And of course, perhaps apply that to President Trump and live your equality that you promote and preach. Don't just pick and choose when it's convenient. Now, let's move on to African slave labor, mining minerals such as cobalt for big tech companies and providing us with all of our batteries for our smartphones and whatever else we use that goes with that in terms of the computer electronics that we all use and engage with on a regular basis, especially during this time of the COVID-1984 lockdown. And again, we're not virtue signaling here. We all got blood in our hands with this. It's really disturbing. I hate that this is the case. You have secondary and tertiary evils that are written all over it. And then there's some primary ones that we're pointing out that are all tied to the very same company that are going green or going rainbow or going black. Whatever is convenient at any given time, they will post the proper color motif to express their amazing philanthropy and care for mankind. So there will be a lot of strange ironies attached to this. But before we get into that, let's read from a couple articles that explain the African slave labor tied to all of these electronics that the Black Lives Matter folk looted to obtain. So we have about 12 different resources, and these are all from mainstream news outlets. So you can't cry. They're coming from some conspiracy theorist. They're all out there in plain sight. And some have been published as recently as this year. And the reason I bring that up is some of the older articles going back to 2011 through 2015 allege that this stuff is being cleaned up by the tech companies, but apparently not because it's still going on. And do they say they're going to clean it up and people just kind of forget about it, especially when we have all these other crises going on to distract us? That's probably the name of the game. We'll let you decide. So our first article is on children in the Democratic Republic of Congo Mine for coltan and face abuse to supply smartphone industry. And this is from February 2020 this year by Edris Songo by ABC News. So the story is about this Congo woman named Solange who is mining for this coltan. 
which is a key metal used in the manufacture of electronic circuit boards that power smartphones, game consoles, and computers. How many of those things do you think that the protesters or looters and rioters or people who are in some way supporting them own themselves? I'm willing to bet 95% of them own at least one of those things, if not all three, or they do now after they went on their looting spree. So let's learn a little bit about the girl who helped supply those. Solange started to work in the mines when she was 11. By 14, she was married. Now 17, Solange is already a widow and the mother of two little boys aged 1 and 2. There are 53 workers in the mine sites, and 32 of them are girls like Solange. When she was hired, she was assigned to work alongside a team of 18 men. There's your equality for you. Digging coltan with them all day and eating with them at night. She says, I got used to them. I was not ashamed like other women. Most of the mine workers come from poor families and have little education and have few other options for earning a living. Those are often the complaints we hear in America, but yet somehow people all have these gadgets that people like this woman is supplying and she is in far worse conditions. Compared with the others on her team, Solange, who completed high school and won a place at university, is considered highly educated, but she never had a chance to finish her university degree. Compare that with Affirmative Action and Evergreen University, and it's a very different picture. However, these material issues are the least of her problems. She was envied by her co-workers and ultimately abused. When her husband... Dudon died in a car accident soon after her first child was born. There was no one to look out for her. So she had a black husband who did not leave her intentionally and unfortunately died in an accident. Now, for all those crying that the patriarchy is evil and women don't need no man, they can protect themselves, well, look at what happened next. Vulnerable alone and with a young baby to care for, Solange was just 15 when she says her team leader began demanding sex. He told me that if I didn't have sex with him, he would drive me out of the mind zone, she says. Solange knew her parents relied on her salary to help the family survive. At first, she refused, but in return, Solange's boss made her job more difficult, assigning her on daily 10-kilometer walks to sell coltan in a nearby town. Solange knew she was being punished for refusing her boss's advances. She was exhausted and felt threatened. Her young child was suffering. I was scared, she says. Eventually, the pressure became too much. Solange agreed to sleep with her boss in return for being moved to a higher-paying and less physically demanding job. After a week, Solange's boss promoted her to team leader. She says, I made a lot of money when the chief gave me this opportunity, she says, but it was like me being a sex slave to my boss, and I had a child with him. Solange says she felt emotionally tortured by the deal she had struck. It was hard, my life in the mines was good, but I was sexually abused by my boss almost every week, and I could not give up the job because I needed the money to support my children and my parents. Despite her low salary and long hours, Solange is still better off than many other Congolese. With most living on less than just under two US dollars a day. Let that sink in. 
Solange is not the only woman to have been abused while working in the mines, but most are too ashamed or fearful of losing the work to speak up. So, this article was publicly published earlier this year, and I didn't hear any outcry about this coming from the mass populace of America, despite it being a mainstream news article. Yet, when it is one individual man who, while tragically was killed, was threatening a pregnant woman's baby's life with a gun so he could rob her and get drug money, amongst whatever other things he has been part of, and then this woman, who is supporting her children as a single mother, and her husband would have stayed with her, but he died in a car accident, and she is basically forced into being sexually abused at work in order to support her entire family, not just her children, her parents. So somehow, no one gives two shits about her, and perhaps if Gaddafi's regime had not been destroyed by the first black president, then perhaps this wouldn't have happened to her because Africa would have its own resources and all of these technological advances and they would have gotten away from the rich white guy petrodollar. But alas, all the people claiming to be against those very things actually only helped it destroy all of these things that they claim they're for and probably sealed the fate for African women such as these. Let's go back five years to a Guardian article entitled Sexual Slavery Rife in Democratic Republic of Congo. Medical NGO treats thousands of forced labor and rape survivors as militias target civilians in Oriental province. Just reading a few select passages. Men, women, and children are being kidnapped and held for months as slaves by militias in Eastern Democratic Republic of the Congo. Now these are black men doing this, but they're probably doing it for a lot of rich white guys, as people would want to say. People like Bill Gates, because Microsoft is one of the companies that benefits from this. We'll talk about him later. But regardless, these men and women and children are kidnapped to made to work in the mines, and many of these women are held as sex slaves, many whom have life-threatening injuries from sustained abuse. Ugh. This is horrible. I'll read it, though. I have trouble to believe that this level of horror is possible, says Anna Maria, a psychologist that works nearby. Victims have been held as sex slaves, sometimes for months at a time, and sexually assaulted violently by several men several times a day, and often in front of their parents, husbands, or relatives. After a militia leader was killed by the military in April, the level of violence and brutality increased significantly, targeting both the mining communities and the people in the surrounding villages. Militia members simply show up, steal what they can, and take men and women out of local communities who are then held captive under the most horrendous conditions for months at a time. This reporter named Kevin Kopik reports that women who had escaped had sought help at MSF clinics for debilitating injuries and sexually transmitted diseases, and that rape continues to be an endemic across the country, but if a woman can get medical attention within 72 hours of an attack taking place, they have a much improved chance of recovery, he said. After weeks of being kept prisoner and suffering daily sustained attacks, there is a limit to what we can do for them. There is a lot of public attention on the problem of sexual violence in this democratic Republic of Congo. But the experiences of these women 
have gone through sexual slavery is difficult to describe. I think that's an understatement. So maybe that's actually a better reason to revolt against these tech companies and go in and smash an Apple store. Not that I would condone that, but it'd be a hell of a lot more understandable than what's going on now. And meanwhile, everybody is constantly virtue signaling, and no one is talking about these black lives as if they don't matter at all, because they are still engaging in all of the technological indulgence and acting like it's a right to have those things. There's no justice. I'm going to go get a cell phone that was built by black slaves in Africa, women who are getting raped in front of their entire family. But let's just ignore that. Those lives don't matter. And there's many of them, not to mention the billion that were screwed over by the black president, Obama's regime, interfering. But let's forget about all of that and focus on this one guy who, in his past, put a gun up to a pregnant woman's stomach and demanded where the drugs and money were hidden. And that's the hero that we want to prop up and completely forget about people like everyone we just mentioned, who's just a small minority of the bigger problem. And honestly, when I read this stuff, I feel like a huge hypocrite. It's just really disturbing that I'm doing this on a computer right now. I got a cell phone that I'm using to look up facts here and there. I mean, it just sucks reading this. But at least I can say that I am not out there screaming Black Lives Matter like I am the biggest champion of that cause. And I am so virtuous for saying those words over and over and over again. And that somehow me posting a black thumbnail on my Facebook page means I'm this fantastic person who cares so much about justice. And that anybody who doesn't do that and repeat the same stupid programmed words that I'm saying and everybody else is saying and magically the media is all saying, if they don't do that, they're a racist bigot and they hate black people. Look in the fucking mirror. And I choose my F-bombs much more carefully these days as I've been trying to refrain, but old habits die hard. So we'll read from just one more article before we wrap up with the epic list of contradictions. But of course, here's a contradiction itself where the same standards of measurement certainly do not measure up. And we have two strong young black women, and I don't say that facetiously. I mean it 100%. The article from Life News entitled, Black Pro-Lifers Arrested for Praying at Planned Parenthood While Hundreds of Rioters Go Free. In the midst of violent riots and looting in New York City, police in the city choose to arrest two black women who are peacefully counseling women outside a Planned Parenthood abortion facility instead. So, these are black lives that they're saying matter, and they are protesting peacefully. And since we're supposed to recognize the peaceful protesters from the rioters, well, we'll conform to those standards, and we're doing that here Yet they're being arrested and the media is not plastering a giant protest all over the country for it. Gee, I wonder why. Let's investigate. Maybe there's something different about this one that we're just missing. The women were arrested after allegedly violating city social distancing guidelines because of the coronavirus. Where we have Beverly Beatty and Edmi Chavanez. Hopefully I pronounced those right. Well, these were two Christian girls who weren't social distancing when they were protesting peacefully that Black Lives Matter, 
outside the Margaret Sanger Planned Parenthood Center in Manhattan. So it's not like this is just some random Planned Parenthood out in East Bum. I won't say it. I already fulfilled my F-bomb quota. We'll just say Nowhere, Ohio. They were in Manhattan, of all places. One of the epicenters of all of this drama, where we're supposed to really try hard to make these distinctions. And they said, quote, Let me tell you something. Christians get it the worst, Beatty said of their pro-life outreach. I have not been so harassed by the police until I started doing this. Christians get it the worst. So here are two young black women who say the most they've ever been harassed by the police is when they were protesting, peacefully mind you, the taking of black lives by abortion or any lives. But we're focusing on black lives here. We can do that. No problem. Will conform to the standards. It's just that those who set them don't conform to them themselves. And she says that they were not protesting at the abortion facility. They were there to offer women information and resources for themselves and their babies, as they often do. In other words, free speech. We've been at that clinic for a while, standing for children's lives and bringing the gospel to these women because they need help just as well as the babies. And we feel COVID has been used strategically to push a bias against abolitionists. We're pro-life, but we're abolitionists. So it seems to me the only difference here is that there is Christianity and the gospel attached and being pro-life or anti-abortion. That seems to be the distinction about what's acceptable protesting and what's not. On May 30th, police asked the pro-life women to leave the area, supposedly because they were not complying with Mayor de Palacio's executive order requiring masks, according to the report. They asked the police to see the report, and the police did not show it to them. Hmm. The black people asking for the police to do something within their constitutional rights, and the police wouldn't do that, and they refused and were arrested. And no one seems to care in the mainstream media, despite them claiming they care so much about police injustices against black people. Furthermore, they comment, How is abortion essential? How are stores closing and we can't have red lobster? And can't go to church or fellowship, but you can go and still kill a baby, she asked. Good points. Beatty called it ironic that while the country had been publicly protesting nonstop for the past several days, she and Shivanas were arrested for illegally protesting. Apparently, it's not okay to protest unless the killing is politically incorrect killing. In other words, abortion killing is not on the agenda, and so you can't protest it without being arrested by the police. I wonder if the police were white. Not that it matters to me, but to other people and the criteria that they've set, I would think it would matter a great deal. On social media, Beatty thanked people for praying for them while they were arrested. It's good to know that we have loyal people when we're going through a hard time. We have been released from jail and now have a court date in September. Keep us in prayer and again, thank you all for your support, she wrote. In the past several months, dozens of pro-life advocates have been arrested or cited while peacefully praying and reaching out to moms in need outside of abortion facilities across the U.S. Many were accused of violating coronavirus health restrictions. Pro-life sidewalk counselors were also arrested or fined in San Francisco, California, Greensboro, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Detroit, Michigan, Columbus, Ohio, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, while trying to save unborn babies from abortions. Fortunately, some saw their charges dropped after filing lawsuits. 
So it would seem that the problem isn't actually peaceful protesting, it's what you're peacefully protesting. And it would seem that the common denominator here is that Christianity and pro-life is not what's allowed by this system. And the people claiming all of these criteria don't allow it for the other people who have the opposing views, at least generally speaking. And if you have the similar views of all of these leftist SJWs, then you can destroy a city and it's totally cool and people will back you up and say, yeah, maybe we didn't want that craziness to happen like that, but it was necessary for change, no different than how they justify the French Revolution. Again, nothing new under the sun. So before we wrap up part one here, let's just go through some of the many contradictions that you can find in regards to COVID-1984 and this racial hypocrisy. And so the first thing that comes to mind is the idea of open borders. Just let everybody go where they want. It's all good. Don't worry about it. We need to be tolerant. Let's pack everybody into cities, Agenda 21, everybody out in the country trying to be separate. That's a no-go. But now, all of a sudden, we need social distancing. Don't come within six feet of my little bubble or I'm going to freak out on you. And it's closed borders around me, GTFA. And this sort of reminds me of safe spaces. When Trump got elected and you didn't want to hear about it, you could go to your little safe space and close off the borders to anything conservative. And then now you have the new republic of Chaz or Chop or whatever the hell it is. And they're closing their borders to the same types of people. So I find that very ironic. I thought America was all about freedom and unity and all that crap. But apparently not. you got to create your own little... Republic LARP in the middle of Seattle. And then, of course, you have the whole protesting is awesome when it's peaceful, but nobody's social distancing when they're protesting. And no one seems to have a problem with that. However, before all this, if you weren't social distancing, then you hated old people. You hated grandma because old people are susceptible and you are risking the spread of this virus by getting within a few feet of people, and how dare you. But magically, when you're protesting over this grave injustice that for some reason affects every single person in the world, even though it was one stupid event in Minneapolis, well, now you can just pack yourself in and not worry about it. And for some reason, no one's telling them that they hate grandma or old people because they're doing exactly what would spread the virus, or at least what we've been told would spread the virus but no one seems to care. And furthermore, if Black Lives Matter so much, and from what I've seen, most of the protesters tend to be black, well, isn't that risking coronavirus and killing a bunch of black people? Isn't that hurting your cause? Doesn't make sense, daddy. Then, of course, we're told that masks don't do anything, but two to three months later, everyone's got to wear a mask or you hate grandma. And I'd say at least most of the protesters seem to at least be following that rule. So, interestingly enough, that one stays the one that makes everybody look like a dog with some sort of muzzle. And then now we have these Surgeon Generals saying that wearing the masks promotes freedom. It's not infringing upon it, somehow. Which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Despite their explanation that this sacrifice will somehow lead to more freedom. 
But the damn scientists just told us two or three months ago that they don't do anything. <laughs> so how did it become the exact opposite? And this is kind of similar to how they told us there'd be like a million people dying in America back when we had that bad week where it was supposed to really blow up. And then months later, there ends up being about 100,000 deaths in the United States. But of course, how many of those were actually coronavirus and people were just taking regular deaths and attributing them to coronavirus. But let's just say they're accurate. Well, they're off by a factor of 90%. So the masks don't do crap. Now you must wear one for freedom. Similar to after 9-11, you must go out and shop and buy stuff for freedom. And millions of people are going to die. And it ends up being about 100,000. Now that's not a small number, of course, but... If that's the big problem and social distancing will help stop it, why is everybody freaking out for one black life when there's all kinds of them in danger by protesting and being next to each other? None of these things make sense. But I think more importantly, the scientists tell us that these are truths, these are facts, but then they completely flip what those facts are the following week, two months from then. It's kind of like when they say, oh, the earth is 10,000 years old. That's a fact. And then all of a sudden it's 100,000 years old, a million, and then it's 10 trillion times infinity plus one. Sounds more to me like these people are full of shit when they try to pull this crap. But what do I know? I don't have a white lab coat. But speaking of which, why are lab coats white? And the scientists are the ones that tell us what to do. They're like our priests. Isn't that white privilege? I think we need some black lab coats to balance things out. Lab coat equality. And we're not going to bother going into the economic impacts, not to mention the looting and destroying, where I've heard people say, it's not violence if you destroy things that you can rebuild. What? And that was a person that appeared on a major news station. Apparently they were taking her seriously. And since she was black, we should probably listen to her even more because that white privilege for me is probably kicking in where I think that that is a stupid statement by anybody, but it must be because I'm prejudiced deep down inside. It must be it. I don't know. I mean, it's what the scientists tell me, right? And so another interesting contradiction is back when this all began, saving lives was so important. And F you, Donald Trump, for being so slow to act and not enabling this aid package and all that crap. But of course, the people saying this were like Nancy Pelosi and others who were trying to secretly pass more aid for Planned Parenthood and abortions. And in doing so, that actually delayed the bill. And so if they think that delaying an aid bill is killing people and is not saving lives, then they're the ones that are doing it, and they're trying to do it to promote abortion to take lives. So Planned Parenthood is essential during this crisis. And are black babies mentioned in that? The ones that get aborted? Apparently that doesn't matter with Black Lives Matter. As we saw with the arresting of the two black girls who were peacefully protesting, but they weren't social distancing. But apparently that only matters when you're protesting against abortion that kills black lives. And of course, they'll say that this is an essential service because it's your individual right, your body, your choice. 
Yet it's not your choice to put a mask on your body. You have to have that on or you're going to be fined and accused of killing grandma. And you can have an eight-year-old kid get a sex change operation or take gender-bending hormones or whatever. That's a freedom. That's an individual right and choice. But me putting on a freaking cheap-ass mask that was made in China, most likely, and that's where the virus came from, well, you have to do that. I think that it's way more of a difference to choose to kill your baby inside of you than put a freaking mask on. But I guess that's my white privilege coming out, distorting my view of reality. And what about vaccines? My body, my choice. Well, apparently it doesn't apply there because you need the vaccines to save lives. But yet the people promoting and pushing all of that all say there's way too many people on the planet and promote abortion and Planned Parenthood. And also, don't have a problem with the protesters not social distancing, which apparently kills people, especially grandma. And if the majority of the protesters are black, then black grandma's gonna die. And if black lives matter and old people matter, then that's just awful. So why don't we get those protesters off the street? I don't care how peaceful they are. I think I'm gonna have to make a black grandma's lives matter thumbnail to put on my Facebook and my Twitter. And then anybody who doesn't do that, I'm going to call them hating black grandmas. Maybe I should do that. And then when people don't listen, I'm going to go out and burn down something. And then when people complain about it, I'm going to say, well, I wasn't being listened to. So obviously I got to do something like burn down a building to be heard. I mean, that's just common sense, right? But then everybody's talking about how we have way too many people. And so why wouldn't a virus be good by their own criteria? If we need to wipe out humanity and depopulate, like the Georgia Guidestones say, then why does anybody care? It's just nature balancing itself. It's like that British royal family guy who said he wanted to be reincarnated as a virus and wipe out humanity for population control. And everyone says, oh, he's just joking. Oh, it's hilarious. But (laughs) are they serious? And isn't wearing the masks contributing to a carbon footprint? And don't a lot of them get manufactured in China, which has mostly coal power, which is so evil? And then usually whenever I pick up one of those green utensils or something green, when I'm at Whole Foods or whatever, I look on the back and it's made in China. Isn't that kind of contradictory? They're the biggest polluting contributor and we're getting our green products from them. Isn't that a problem? What about all the bicycles that they're trying to get everybody to ride? Are they made in China? I mean, this reminds me of the social distancing and the protesting conundrum. We have people saying climate change is the greatest threat to humanity, and you hate humanity if you don't believe in climate science, and you're a climate denier, and you're just the worst person ever. But then those same people who say we need to combat climate change, we're all going to die, don't seem to be doing too much other than getting fluorescent light bulbs in a bicycle and then yelling at everybody else for not doing that. Oh yeah, and your straw. You can't have a straw. If you use a straw, you hate grandma. Oh no, wait, you hate people. You hate grandma if you don't wear a mask or social distance. Gotta get it right here. Sorry, it's confusing. It's hard being a leftist daddy. Then we also have defund the police. Now everybody says, that doesn't mean get rid of the police. But on the contrary, I've heard a lot of people saying that's exactly what they want to do. And I also find it odd that 
people often complain that the police won't go into black neighborhoods because they don't want to help them. They don't care when there's a murder. They just stay out of it and let the black people fend for themselves. And that's a grave injustice. But yet at the same time, now they're calling for the defunding and sometimes the abolition of the police. So doesn't that contradict what they were previously accusing the police of doing and avoiding black neighborhoods and not helping them? And now they just don't want them there and don't want any help. I mean, this is similar to masks don't do anything to we all need to wear a mask or you hate grandma. And also consider that if the police are going to be afraid of arresting a black person because they're going to be called racist and possibly lose their job, maybe that's the reason why they were avoiding some of those communities to begin with. Because when they actually deal with a criminal and they sometimes need to shoot them legitimately, we're not talking about abuses here. Well, they're going to be called a racist cop who kills black people and there's no justice. So maybe that could contribute to them not wanting to come in. But now they don't want them at all. So I don't see why that previously would have been a problem. And there's also the issue of black cops because those are black lives. But when people like Dave Dorn, a police captain or a former one, is killed by black looters... No one is crying out anything in that situation for a black life, but it was black on black crime. Apparently that's okay. And everyone's saying, don't use that to justify police brutality and all that crap. But if you're about saving lives, then a vast majority of them die from that way rather than white cops shooting black criminals, whether it's unjust or just combine them both together. It's still going to be way less. And then everybody says that the protesters who are peaceful just need to be listened to. We need to listen to them and what they're saying. Well, if they're calling for defunding the police, whatever that means in reality, no one can really ever explain it very well. Well, you can see the problem there. And since the protesters don't seem to care about social distancing, maybe we should listen to them in that instance. Forget about the Fauci's and all these idiots that tell us that that's so important. Well, maybe we should listen to the protesters on that one because they're saying something without saying it. But we have to pick and choose, apparently, what is valid or not, despite this blanket statement like they all need to be listened to. And what about the protesters who are peaceful, but they're just watching everybody riot and beat people up and sometimes kill people, and they're filming it on their cell phones? They don't seem to be really too concerned about saving lives in that instance, and if there's so many of them that are peaceful and so few looters causing violence, then why couldn't all the peaceful ones stop them if they were the vast majority? And furthermore, if all of these rioters and looters are somehow separate from the regular peaceful protesters and everyone's trying to say, where these guys come from? They just came in and hijacked stuff. Well, you might recall that not so long ago, and I think it's still going on, to save lives, they let a bunch of criminals out because they were afraid they'd get coronavirus in the prison and they couldn't social distance. And that upset a lot of people who were the victims of their crimes. So maybe it's actually those criminals that probably the more liberal or democratic people were the ones letting them out. Maybe they're the ones causing the riots. So it's actually your fault for letting them out, claiming you're saving lives by saving criminals' lives and not innocent babies' lives. Let's forget about that. We need to set the criminals free and give them freedom 
And how many of those criminals went out and social distance and wore masks? I'm just curious. Because if they violated laws like killing people or stealing or doing all those sorts of things, do you think they're really going to wear a dinky little mask? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And all of this contradiction happens under the two twin pillars of our society in freedom and equality. Those two carrots that are dangled in front of you to keep you eternally in revolution and devouring everything around you like the Ouroboros serpent, which again, was perhaps not so ironically and perhaps intentionally, even if it's from a more metaphysical standpoint, the symbol of the Declaration of the Rights of Man in 1789 by the French revolutionaries. They had the Ouroboros serpent right there along with the liberty cap tied back to Mithras and all of that pagan philosophy. And now we are seeing the results of that hundreds of years later. And we talked about the 1776 Pluto return where the ugly truth is being revealed and the people who don't want to admit it are going to be completely destroyed and devoured by the divine flame of judgment and supreme will of God that you either conform to because it's reasonable, it's true, or you rebel against it and it leads to your destruction. So we'll see the members in part two when we're going to talk more about actual racism and look at slavery more equally and see the white or Christian slaves that had Muslim masters who were often Moors, which would be black people. And we'll get a bit more into some of the metaphysical aspects and relationship to the church in general with all of these things going on. To gain access to the second hour, head to www.rockstaresoterica.com and become a member to gain all access to all content at all times. Or to purchase individual episodes such as this one, Head to schism206.podbean.com.